Values are the criteria by which we allocate resources. So the value change that's occurred now in the market is that people spend money and want to increasingly take jobs based on what that company's doing for the world or for the planet or even local communities. In the days of the quality revolution, can I get one changed to can I get a defect-free one? But it was the same idea. The third phase of the revolution is what I call the arrival of the innovators. Whenever things change and new values emerge, there's an underserved segment and very smart, innovative companies. For example, referring to the quality revolution, smart companies, Rico, for example, in the copier business, Toyota, Sony, and then eventually here in the United States, companies like Florida Power and Light, or even Motorola, which was a late stage innovator, rush in and they meet the new values. And the incumbents look at it like a dirty business that's too expensive to run and too small to be interested in, allowing these innovators to fly under the radar. In the responsibility revolution, as this has bubbled up over the last few years, the same things happen. It's just a different cast of characters. Consumer products goods companies like Aveda Corporation, which makes eco-friendly shampoo hair care products, joined by apparel companies like Patagonia or Timberland, joined by software companies like SAS Institute or most recently Google, or even joined by giants like Walmart, who, I don't know if you know this, went green in 2005, or even GE with Eco-Imagination, have all changed the way they do business, and as a result, they've taken this multi-billion dollar market. One estimate says it's a $250 billion market of them Jenners. They've taken this little itty-bitty nascent market, and they've built on it. The fourth phase of the revolution is the disruptive phase. The innovators come in. They change the rules of business. They take a small market that explodes when it hits the tipping point, and all of a sudden, the incumbents get toppled by their own hubris. In the case of the quality revolution, the Ford Motors, the Quasars, the Xeroxes of the world said the reason Japanese companies are successful is because the government's subsidizing them. Quality's just a fad. It's too expensive. This like a bad storm will pass. And they kept saying it until in 1984, about 400,000 Americans lost their jobs in layoffs. And NBC ran a television special, you might remember, called Quality. If Japan can do it, why can't we? And that's when disruption was complete. In this case of the responsibility revolution, you see disruption in a couple of industries. The most profound area of disruption is in the auto industry, where the big three's taken it on the chin, and for the first time in American history, American company doesn't have market share. In other words, Japan sells more cars to Americans than America sells to Americans. Toyota has become number two, and the reason why is because Toyota revolutionized the idea of community development in terms of how automakers interact with local American communities, the Prius. The Prius was a killer application for them, and what it did, according to researchers, is create the halo effect that all Toyota cars were lean green automobiles, even the eco-disaster, the Tundra. And as a result, Ford and GM especially got repositioned as old news like the Oldsmobile or the Etzel, and they lost precipitous market share. And what you're seeing right now in Detroit is the first signs of disruption. The fifth phase is what I call the new order. And what that means is at some point, disruption is so profound, the laggards concede, they put the white flag out, just like in the quality revolution when all these Fords and Xeroxes begrudgingly hired Deming and Duran and Crosby to come teach them quality. There's a new world order that emerges and then it's all about continual improvement, whether it's TQM or Six Sigma. In our case, 
The new order isn't here yet except in one industry, the carpet industry, where interfaces changed the rules forever. And right now, every carpet company that wants to be in business has figured out an eco program. But in the next five to 10 years, you're going to see a new world order where from retail to consumer goods to manufacturing and even the military, companies will compete based on their social reputation and not just their differentiation. That's the revolution in a nutshell. Let's go back to the carpet industry for a minute. How have they changed? Before Ray Anderson, CEO and co-founder of Interface Corporation, initiated their responsibility revolution internally in 1994, probably 80 to 85% of all carpet ended up in a landfill where it's going to take at least 20,000 years to break down. And when it does, it's going to be a poisonous gas called methane. The average company bought something called Broadloom Carpet, these huge pieces of carpet that are presumably cut to try to fit rooms. Almost 30% to 40% gets wasted and thrown away as scraps. Ray Anderson, after reading a book given to him by one of his middle managers,